Ladies and gentlemen, we're being very quiet today because this is the funeral of WWE. Because after that putrid, miserable week that we just had, the show is now dead. So if we could please have a short moment of silence for WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown. And that's long enough. My name is Matt Zinn. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauly. This is episode 87 of Wrestle Life Radio. And who boy, we're we're about to go into it, guys. So we're is, about our, to do it. is our show dead or is there? Show no, dead? our show's our show's alive and well. Oh, okay, we good. are. We I actually I got my check from Tony Khan in the mail because oh, we nice. are. Yeah, we you know we're AEW sponsors, right? I mean, we we praise Revolution, we praise Dynamite for having such amazing shows. And we're about to rip Braun SmackDown a new one. So obviously, it's not our unbiased opinion. It's obviously a very biased opinion, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. WWE sucked this week. AEW Bad. didn't make it any better because they were awesome. And yeah. It was a huge contrast. It was really wide. Revolution, and you, you can listen to our Revolution Review podcast one of the best pay-per-views I've ever seen. Possibly the greatest tag match ever. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not the only person to say this, guys. Possibly the greatest tag match ever. And then WWE responds with these two crappers. I guess technically SmackDown was before Revolution, but it was after that really good Dynamite. Yeah, they knew this was coming. <laughs> I, just, I just... No, it was I even just, worse. That's how they responded after this horrible super showdown. Yeah. Yeah. So. And they drew a good number, probably because people are like, what's going to happen with Goldberg? Oh, John Cena's going to be on there. So I would expect them to draw a decent number. But I just, in a year, I just wonder if SmackDown and Raw is going to draw 2 million people. I really do. And I know some people might think that that's ridiculous. But guys, it seems like every other month we read Raw or SmackDown has drawn a new record low for a non-holiday, non-replay episode. It happens all the time now. And so, there's an alternative now. And let's be clear. We don't want WWE to do poorly because that shrinks the pool of potential people that will listen to our show. So we want the biggest wrestling company in the world to do well. But just, it's not, guys, it's just not good. It's real bad. And they have it's so many bad. talented people over there that like, we. I mean, I want Aleister Black to do great. I want AJ Styles to do great, which he's pretty doing pretty well. I mean, obviously, guys like Ricochet, who we'll talk about, I want him to do great. I want all the superstars that deserve it to do great over there. I want Matt Riddle to do great, Keith Lee, all these guys coming up. But it's just not happening. If your name's not Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, or Undertaker, you're, or Triple H, or The Rock, or John Cena, that's pretty much it. You're nobody. I just I don't get it. Um, before we get into SmackDown, we're going to do this day in wrestling history. So seven years ago today, seven of them, WWE presented Old School Raw. God, that was seven years ago? Seven years ago. Good lord. Uh, it, it was the first live appearance of The Undertaker since Raw 1000. Also, Mae Young made her final appearance on her 90th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So here's the card. Tell me how interesting this sounds. Ryback defeated Cesaro. 
Mark Henry defeated Zack Ryder in 50 seconds. Mm-hmm. Here's one. The Miz defeated Dolph Ziggler. They've been wrestling a long time. Hacksaw sure. Jim Duggan defeats Jack Swagger by disqualification. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Daniel Bryan and Kane defeat Darren Young and Titus O'Neil. That's appropriate. Here's, here's a good one. Brodus Clay and Tensai defeats Heath Slater and future WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Brodus Clay and A-Train. Sweet Japanese tea. A-Train. What, wasn't his nickname Sweet Tea or something like that? I don't freaking know. Some stupid. Uh, Alberto Del Rio defeated Wade Barrett in what was probably a good match if they were given time. Uh, oh, by the way, Brodus Clay and Tensai beat Drew McIntyre and Heath Slater in 24 seconds. So, uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dog defeated Epico and Primo because they've been jobbing in this company for almost a decade. Fun fact, Epico and Primo still employees of WWE. Correct. And one had just failed the wellness policy sitting at home. Yep, he failed the wellness policy because he could not get to the testing facility, which counts as a failure, which part of me gets, but uh, uh, CM Punk... <laughs> you probably didn't want to get off his couch. <laughs> yeah, I know. CM Punk won in the main event against Randy Orton, Sheamus, and The Big Show, with the winner getting a match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. So there's your, there's your old school Raw, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was bad back then, too. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just so cynical right now because these two shows that I just had to sit through, like literally I'm, I'm two hours into Raw and my beautiful wife is on the couch and she has fallen asleep. I'm like, I'm not watching this anymore. So I get up off the couch, take her to bed, then come in my room so I can play a video game while watching the last hour of Raw, which was a mistake because the last 40 minutes of Raw was really good. The first 10 minutes was good. The last 40 minutes was good. The rest of it was crap. We'll get to Raw in a second. We're going to go SmackDown first. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you want me to kick it off? Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do this. All right. SmackDown this week, obviously coming off of the Super Showdown show, was at the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, which home to several WWE superstars. Uh, obviously, John Cena is making his return on this show to SmackDown. Uh, also obvious he wasn't going to do it last week. Because his uh, future, his former boo was on the show, and she was uh, showing off that new pregnancy belly and that new uh, engagement ring, whatever she's got. So would have been pretty awkward. So instead, this week he's in his hometown. He stayed at home with his parents last week, and uh, now he's on the show. Uh, obviously, we're coming off of one of the most controversial uh, stories as of late in WWE, which. Seems like there's a lot of them, but this was definitely one of the most, you know, talked about one. Obviously, Bill Goldberg destroyed the fiend at Super Showdown, just completely killing his character. I've hated every bit of it. I mean, in like under three minutes. So we open the show with a new Universal Champion, Bill Goldberg, who makes his way down the ring. Kind of got a mixed reaction when he had his, his entrance, but man, once he got in the ring and his music ended. He was showered with booze. You just get. Getting- let's be clear. Goldberg was not getting booed. People love Goldberg. Goldberg I was getting booed. Boo Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg's getting booed because of this ridiculous, terrible booking decision made by WWE to make this part timer who people want to love squash someone that they have spent 
almost a year investing in. It just blows my mind. I right. don't get it. Yeah. So he's getting booed out of the building. He's He just laughs and he just goes on with his promo and says, it's not about who's last, but who's next. Fans continue to boo. Then Roman Reigns music hits and he walks out. Uh, he was mostly cheered, but yeah, as he's coming out, but he got some boos and they even got in the ring and got a, you both suck chant. Uh, and I will say, I, there's been a lot of people who have said that it's possible that WWE decided to do this stupid Bill Goldberg beating the fiend gimmick because a Bill Goldberg is a quote unquote bigger star than Bray Wyatt, which is technically true. But I mean, you got to build a star somehow, but you know, I digress. That's a B. There was some people who thought if somebody's going to go up against Roman Reigns, who's more likely they, they kind of knew that people weren't going to like this, you know, Bill Goldberg beating the fiend, which I, I don't think they have much, that much foresight, honestly, but that's what some people were speculating. So they thought maybe this was some crazy scheme to get Bill Goldberg booed so that Roman Reigns would get cheered. Well, guess what people, it didn't really work here because they got a, you both suck chant. I mean, it was small, but it's like from the gun, like Bill Goldberg is the most hated guy right now. He's getting booed. And if Roman Reigns comes out to challenge him and he's getting booed as well, just even a little bit, just wait until WrestleMania comes around. And that WrestleMania crowd in Tampa is in front of them. I just think it's going to go poorly. I don't think they're going to cheer either one of them. So they have a stare down. Roman Reigns simply says he's next. Get a little bit of a mixed reaction. He leaves. And that's the opening segment of the show. So don't think this is what they planned as far as reaction goes, but who knows? We'll see if Roman Reigns can get this over. I don't think Goldberg's going to be the face at all in this, but who, who knows? So then we have Bailey versus Naomi, which is which just happened the night before on Super Showdown. <laughs> just just happened. Happen. It just happened, guys. Just happened. So they're doing this a lot this show, by the it's, way. It's fine. Just uh, oh my gosh, I understand. <laughs> So they wrestled the night before on Super Showdown, as Matt said, and Naomi loses this match fair and square. Gets pinned by Bailey. They are uh, booked to wrestle again on the very next night in a non-title match. And the announcers say if Naomi wins this, she could be in line for another title opportunity. <sighs> what? Wh- whatever. So yeah, the belt, I, I, I just okay. It makes zero sense. It makes no sense. None. It, I, I'm just, I'm stopping. Just so, go ahead. So immediately Bailey grabs the mic and rightfully says, "I shouldn't even be out here tonight." She was totally in the right for saying that. She should not be. She just beat her clean, and she's got to wrestle her again. It's stupid. So she grabs the mic and says, "The only reason I'm really out here is to introduce the future Grammy Award winning." Sasha Banks, she does say she's better than Beyonce, better than Cardi B. I couldn't say I agree, but we'll see when her album comes out. Probably not. She but, wouldn't have to be very good to be better than Cardi B, so let's be fair. I like Cardi B. No, no. Incorrect. We'll, we'll see. Incorrect. We'll see. This is false, this is false information. But if Sasha Banks is trying to be a, 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 somewhat of a Cardi B, she could be a lot worse. Mm. Anyway, so... Sasha Banks makes her return here. She comes out, and while she's making her entrance, Bailey attacks Naomi from behind. Their match is, I guess it's already started, right? So she attacks Naomi from behind. 
Naomi fights back, manages to hit the rear view. Sasha Banks immediately jumps in the ring for the DQ and like they both jump her. And then who comes to make the save? Obviously, it's Lacey Evans. I thought it might be Carmella, but I wasn't surprised at all. Lacey runs out. They all get in a brawl. And then all of a sudden, the refs start breaking them up. And they go talk to Greg Hamilton, the ring announcer. And he just suddenly says, ladies and gentlemen, this is now a tag team match. Play up? It's like, wait a minute, wait. So, and then the announcers say, "What the, the referees, you know, taking their authority here and making this a tag team match to settle things down. And I'm like, so the referees can just come out here and make matches now. Of course they can. Why not restart the match? I mean, Naomi's trying to get a title opportunity, apparently. So now she's just not going to get it? Oh, I don't nope. know. So anyway. They, well, maybe. They rest- yeah, maybe. We'll see. So they restart this match as Lacey Evans and Naomi versus Sasha Banks and Bayley. Uh, basically, the faces, the faces send the heels to the outside. They try to do dives on the outside, and immediately Lacey botches it. She gets tossed on the t- like caught on the top rope, just stumbles her way to the outside. I, I was laughing and laughing at this. They go to commercial. They come back. Heels are in control somehow. They isolate Naomi. They taunt Evans and knock her off the apron. Finally, Naomi is able to hit an enziguri and makes a tag to Lacey Evans. She runs wild. The fight breaks breaks out to the outside. Banks and Evans are going at it. Bailey from the inside of the ring tries to grab Evans for some reason. She gets kicked by Naomi, hits her with a boot. Naomi hits a sunset flip and pins Bailey down for a near fall or for the pinfall, and they win the match. So Naomi picks up the win over Bailey. I don't know what they're doing. It's this is 50-50 booking in the absolute worst because Bailey won the title match the night before. So the next night they have to have Naomi have the visual pinfall on your champion. Naomi, who's pretty good, Lacey Evans, who has a great character but can't wrestle for crap, and they have no chemistry together, defeat the champion. And her best friend, who have incredible chemistry, who are both megastars, it makes no sense. This is the poorest book SmackDown. You guys wait. Just wait. Because it gets worse. This is the poorest booked WWE show I have seen in a long time. It was miserably booked. But you wait. Just wait, guys. Yeah, not to mention... So the rumor is that Naomi was supposed to go up against Bayley for the title, but they... I mean, I guess they rushed it to Super Showdown. I hope that's not what they're doing now, because if it is, it's a horrible idea. Because she got beat by Carmella clean when she returned. She did get her win back. But, I mean, she lost to Bayley in Super Showdown. So, I'm guessing they're just going to do some kind of tag match at WrestleMania. No, they're going to do something stupid, like a Fatal 4-Way or some crap. Yeah. So, we'll see. Who who knows? But, who cares? Uh, Next, we have Bobbert Roode versus Kofi Kingston. Obviously, Dolph Ziggler accompanying Bobbert. Biggie accompanying Kofi. They actually show New Day in the back walking to the uh, to the ring, or they're walking to the gorilla position. They run into New England Patriots offensive coordinator Josh Daniels. Now I am a New New England Patriots fan, which Josh McDaniels, New England Patriots fan. Yes. So uh, it, it still was one of the strangest cameos on SmackDown ever. He's just standing there in the back. New Day yeah. like stop and recognize him. He's not. He doesn't have his like signature visor on on the sideline, so I barely recognize him. And I actually yeah. watched Patriots football. I would and, have had no idea who he was if they didn't mention his name. None. Yeah. So they shook his hand. They walked by him, and then they have a stare down. 
with uh, Bobber Rood and Dolph Ziggler. So basically they come out for the match. It starts off back and forth until Kofi sends Rude to the outside and Dolph tries to distract the referee. Rude's on the outside and Biggie's just kind of standing near him. Rude kicks the steps, then plays dead. The referee turns around and sees Biggie and says, hey, you did this. Get out of here. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Now, all the dumb referees. Yeah, it was awful. Referees have... There's a history in WWE of referees just being completely incompetent and stupid. But right. like for the referee to just turn around and assume that Biggie did anything. Which they never, ever, ever do. Do you know how many ever. times people climbed in the ring and did slams or something? And the referee's just bouncing up and down like a moron <laughs> and just is oblivious because he's talking to the guy at ringside. But he hears a kick on the steps and just turns around and just assumes it's Biggie. <sighs> So, so stupid. So I do want to, to be fair though. I did laugh at it because it was, it had shades of Eddie Guerrero. So it, there was this split second where I'm like, Oh, that was funny and entertaining, but it wasn't good wrestling. And it was ter- again, terribly booked because it never, ever happens. This doesn't happen in the WWE. This is a new thing. And they even contradicted themselves with a different, I think a different referee later on in the same show. There's such a better way to do it though. They could have easily had a stare off, like a stare down, and then, like, Bobber Rude, like, maybe Biggie pokes him or something, and he just, like, flops. It flies yeah. back into the steps, and the referee sees it. Yeah, go ahead, do that. It's way more clever than having this yep. referee just turn around and assume Biggie did it, like, especially with how dumb they are, but whatever. So, Biggie gets objective. Is basically the story is Kofi tries to fight valiantly, but obviously he's got the numbers against him. Rude's able to gain control. We actually see Mandy Rose watching on the TV from the back, checking out Dolph Ziggler. And then the announcers, these dumb idiots, just start talking about Ziggler and Mandy the entire time during this match. Ziggler wearing a Mandy Rose t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> Who cares? So <laughs> <laughs> Kofi finally starts making his comeback, sets up for the trouble in paradise, but Rude avoids it. They end up trading some near falls until Kofi hits an SOS. Seemingly has the match won, but Dolph puts Bobbert's foot on the rope. Then Kingston just gets distracted by Ziggler. So he gets rolled up by Bobbert Rude like an idiot, gets pinned. And so Bobbert wins. After the match, Mandy and Sonya are watching on the screen. And then DeVille makes a comment that, you know, Ziggler is Rose's man. So that that's the uh that's where we're at now with this. The thing that was keeping me interested in SmackDown each week, this is what it's been reduced to. So Bobber picks up the win here. They're still doing this Mandy and Dolph thing. I guess he's still involved. And then also we had uh, in the back, Otis was in the locker room. And- wait, 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 wait. I have to rant again before okay, we go to the okay. next spot. Kofi Kingston, the man who at last year's WrestleMania was WWE champion. They think so little of him that he lost to Brock Lesnar in eight seconds. Maybe what was eight, right? Was it six? Eight. People say it's eight six, seconds. but he has to correct them. That is eight seconds. Eight, yes. eight seconds. And then they think so little of him that he's been jobbing a lot lately, this time to Bobbert Rude. And I love Bobbert Rude, okay? But the WWE clearly doesn't think anything of him. He's at best a mid Carter. And Kofi Kingston just jobbed to him. Poor booking. Worst book show. In a long, long time. Dare I say WWE history? Dare I say it? Because, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I mean, not only was Kofi the former WWE champion, 
He was just a day ago the tag team champions with Big right. E. They just lost their titles, and I get they just lost titles. So they're going to go lose to Bob Roode and Dolph Ziggler? Why? It, it makes no sense. So, yes, horrible booking again, but, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a theme throughout the show. So, like I was saying, Tucker and Otis are in the back. Uh, he, he Tucker walks up to Otis. Tucky! He walks up. Otis doesn't understand how Mandy could date Dolph Ziggler, but Tucker tells him sometimes guys like us, they don't get the girl. So we just need to get over it and move on. Otis is, you know, still got his hair kind of in his eyes. He's a little bit sad, but Tucker tries to cheer him up and says, Hey, I'll tell you what, you might not get Mandy, but the WWE universe is behind you. This seems to pump Otis up and he's going to, you know, now he's going to fight back. He's going to be happy now. And that's all that we see on of them on the show. Correct. That was it. So they didn't go out and have a match to kind of show that Otis is pumped up, but whatever. Next we have the IC. I also forgot to mention, they're hyping up John Cena for later in the show and they just keep showing old clips of him doing stuff. I don't know. It's not like we've you know forgot who John Cena is, so I don't know why they're doing this. But it was throughout <laughs> the show. I think there was one in between here, but yeah. And they played like some terrible song from his album, Make It Loud or whatever. Yeah, they kept playing his some of his old his old songs that nobody knows. And I was just like, why even bother? But it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. So then we had the IC title contract signing with Braun Strowman and Shinsuke Nakamura. Renee Young's actually hosting, so it's, it's good to see her back because she's great at her job. Not announcing, but she's good at, you know, to being the the female mean gene of this company. She comes in, introduces the participants. Zayn, Cesaro obviously come out with Nakamura. Uh, and then Strowman comes out. We get a recap of the Symphony of Destruction match last week. And then also show that Nakamura needed all these stitches after the stupid match. Shinsuke starts to sign the contract. But Zayn, he says, ah, I want to review this. He starts looking over, starts to go on a rant. When Strowman cuts him off and says, hey, I don't care about this contract. I don't care what's on it. I fought all three if you have to. I fought all three of you if I had to. So he just goes and signs the contract. Then Zane stops and says, wait, oh, wait a minute. So you'd fight all three of us? Strowman says, yes. So he says, all right, then I'm going to change it to a three-on-one handicap match. So he just like scratches off something on the contract and then writes in three-on-one handicap match for the title, which I don't even know how that's going to work. I guess whoever pins him is going to win the belt. So I Zane, think Shinsuke technically wins it if, if anyone gets the win. They've done stupid stuff like that before. Yeah, so... Who knows how they'll end up. I mean, they'll probably change their mind too and come up with something. Who knows? But they all three signed the contract. And then like Strowman, like an idiot, is like, oh, you're going to play that game, Sammy? And it's like, you suggested it, dude. What do you want him to do? Like you yep. threw it out there and said, I'd take on all three of you. Don't back down now. So the heels outsmart him. They sign up for this three-on-one handicap match and then they all three sign it and it just happens. It goes in effect now. So, And then Sami Zayn's like, take this to the back and have it signed by the notary. And I'm like, I don't, that's not how notaries work. The notary has to be there and see you sign it. So just, just so you know. That's nitpicky. But it's anyone that knows anything about notaries knows the whole reason to get a notary is to prove that someone is there signing it. So legally, the notary has to be there. Just just get out. Greg Hamilton to do it. He's doing all this stuff tonight. Or the referees. There you go. Yeah. They have all this authority. I mean, I, I'm I'm cool with not having an authority figure on WWE TV because I always do the same heel thing. Uh, I do like William Regal on NXT because he's used sparingly and it makes sense to have somebody as an authority figure. But like 
them just doing this kind of stuff without an authority figure is just wacky. So they need to do something. Basically how the segment ends, Strowman tries to fight all three of them off. They all team up on him and they give him a double suplex through the table. And that's how they end this segment. So three on one match at elimination chamber uh, for Strowman versus Nakamura, Sami Zayn and Cesaro. So then we have Brian, Daniel Bryan versus Curtis Axel. Gulak is out on commentary again, talking about the holes in Brian's game. I guess he's been talking with Curtis Axel and is, you know, going to, you know, share all the holes in his game. They actually had a back and forth match. Don't know why, because Curtis Axel was on the B team at one point. I guess maybe they're on the, you know, they're at the same level because Brian's a B plus player, but who knows? So they're, they're actually, you know, have a back and forth match. Axel's able to get reversals on Daniel Bryan. So he's maybe Gulak has shown him the holes in Brian's game. Uh, but then he's a moron. He actually gets Daniel Bryan set up for the perfect plex. He just like looks at Gulak and he's like talking to him. And Gulak's like, no, no, hook the neck, hook the neck or something like that. He's coaching him. And instead of hitting the move like a dweeb, he gets reversed into a label lock and Daniel Bryan gets his submission win. He taps out. So I don't know who this is supposed to get over here. Like they're just making Daniel Bryan look worse because he's like, all these jobbers are finding the holes in his game from this PowerPoint presentation. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't mind it with Heath Slater. Cause he, he like got a roll up or something, Yeah. but like fine, but he still got beaten like a geek. But this was just like Curtis Axel got offense on Daniel Bryan and like actually had control at some points in this match and probably could have like at least threatened Daniel Bryan with a perfect plex if he actually hit it. And it took him acting like an idiot for Daniel Bryan to actually get the reversal here. So this helped nobody. It's horrible. Yeah, not a fan of it. So I don't know. What do you think? I actually kind of disagree here. I kind of like it. Here's the thing. If Daniel Bryan's on my TV, I'm happy. So I'm a little bit biased. But first of all, I think people like Curtis Axel and Heath Slater made deserve more than they get, even though they're jobbers. Um, so should Daniel Bryan destroy them? Sure. But let's say, for example, if Drew Gulak really is a coach. So if you think of it like a sports coach, right? And if mm-hmm. he's like, man, Daniel Bryan, he's really, really good. But I do see these holes in his game. So even though, you know, he he is more experienced than you are. He's probably, you know, no offense, Heath or Curtis, but he's probably better than you are. But if you exploit these holes, you have a chance. And uh, I think, I think, and I don't trust WWE to do this, but if this is done properly, Drew Gulak's going to wrestle Daniel Bryan, and that's going to get Gulak over, especially if he wins. And he probably won't. But if this goes to Gulak versus Bryan for WrestleMania, I'm down. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Because who is Drew Gulak? But let me tell you who Drew Gulak is. Drew Gulak is one of the most celebrated independent wrestlers of all time. He's absolutely incredible in the ring. He's a technical magician. And him and Daniel Bryan in a ring together, it's going to be incredible. So I'm okay with this as long as no one defeats Daniel Bryan except Drew Gulak. That's it. I don't, I don't mind it. This was the only part of SmackDown that didn't make me want to melt my eyeballs with a blowtorch. I was fine with it 
And I was actually on the same exact page that you were. I thought this could actually be interesting until this week. I mean, I still think Gulak and Brian can be good. Yeah. But just Curtis Axel coming out and like actually going back and forth with him, like let him get a roll up or something. I mean, make it just like Heath Slater, like have something there, but let Daniel Bryan just mop the floor with his geek. And until Gulak gets in there himself and does it himself and like picks up a, you know, a win with a roll up against Daniel Bryan or something like that, that causes Daniel Bryan to question it. There should be nobody like going back and forth with him. Like Axel just had too much in this match and he was setting him up true. for his finisher. And Gulak, just because he was an idiot and had to yell at Gulak for something and Gulak was trying to coach him, that's the only thing that cost him. Like it teased that Curtis actually actually had a chance to beat him, which that's the part I didn't like. So it didn't completely ruin it for me. I just hated this portion of it. Okay, I get that. Yeah. I, I would like it a lot more if it was done in more capable hands. Like, can you imagine if Arn Anderson turns on Cody and he takes, I don't know, Angelico and he says, hey, look, you know, because he's, he's the coach, right? That's Arn Anderson's current gimmick. And he's like, hey, Cody's really talented, but look, these are the holes in his game. And then Angelico, who is, for all intents and purposes, AEW doesn't really have jobbers other, other than Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. But so he's like, hey, these are the holes in his game. And then Angelico takes advantage of that. I would be okay with it. So I'm okay with this. As long as it's written well, I just I just don't trust WWE to continue this trend of doing it well. Curtis Axel did have too much offense, though. I do agree with you there. I, I think I would have been okay with this if it had been Heath Slater for a third time. And I know that's like pushing and it's it. It's better and better. Yeah, I understand that, though. That would make a little bit more sense instead of Curtis Axel just coming out of the blue and doing this. Uh, so, yeah. But Brian wins, so we'll see what they do with it. I mean, I'm not jumping off the ship completely, but this was definitely like a damper on it. So, yeah, we'll see. I understand what you're saying. I get it. So after this, Miz and Morrison come down the ring with their new tag belts. They get in the ring and brag about beating New Day. And they try to start their chant. They actually cut a pretty entertaining promo here because I, I just like Morrison. I wish he was doing more than just going back to what he was doing before he left WWE, but yeah. it's a start. I mean, once he – it's kind of like – I mean, AJ, it took him a while to kind of get on Vince's good side. So I think if you – come in there and just do what they give you and you do pretty well with it that you can win them over. So I think Morrison can eventually win somebody over. I'm crossing my fingers. Cause I think he's hilarious and can be really good. And he's jacked right now. Like the guy's got it. Like it's now or never. So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, they basically, they're, they're trying to do their chant or whatever. And again, we see this referee with all his power, I guess he, he's just power hungry. I guess. I don't know what he's doing. He, he comes, he runs down he talks to Greg Hamilton demands him, I guess, to say that Miz and Morrison will now have their first title defense in the Elimination Chamber at the pay-per-view against the New Day, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Bobbert and Dolph Ziggler, and the Usos. So they're obviously not happy about this, but this referee has got to be stopped. He's just making all these calls. (laughs) Right. So then we have the Usos versus Miz and Morrison, and... If, I mean, if you haven't already guessed it, another poorly booked match. Actually, the match itself wasn't just completely poorly booked, just the ending, because it made no sense. So, basically, the Usos start in control, but the heels take over and hi- isolate Jimmy. We had another weird... Uh, I forgot to mention this a couple of times in these reviews. They've had this weird glitch thingy come up on TV, and they haven't... They like The announcers don't mention it, 
they're just pretending like it doesn't happen. It's obviously leading to something, but we'll see. So we get the weird glitch thing again that's been going on. Um, Miz, he does some rest holds on Jimmy, uh, but Jimmy's able to fight back and sends Miz to the outside. Jimmy and Morrison go at it. Then Jimmy got, tries to go for a tag, but Miz pulls Jay off the apron. And then uh, the Usos try to make their comeback. Uh, Jay actually attempts a Uso splash, but Morrison gets his knees up. He goes for the Starship Pain on uh, Jimmy. Or no, he goes for it on Jay, but Jimmy cuts him off. They set up Morrison in the corner. Miz jumps up on the apron. He gets super kicked for his troubles. The Usos hit a corner Canadian Destroyer. And then the other Uso from the other corner hits an Uso splash combo. And they get the win, which this wasn't a completely horrible match. But the Miz and Morrison were just crowned tag team champions the night night before. before. Oh they my just God. beat the New Day, and they lose clean in their first match as tag team champions. The night before. The night before, guys. Miz and Morrison, oh my gosh. Most poorly booked episode of WWE ever. The yeah. night before, the Miz and John Morrison win the WWE SmackDown tag team titles. They come back the next night and lose clean it's so freaking stupid speaking of stupid you would think so basically we have the main event segment which is john cena coming out you would think man john cena he's got to save the show he's got to come out and do something he's got to come out and be cena do what he does best and talk on the mic he comes out the crowd is going crazy for him because it's his hometown of boston uh he, I mean, fans are just going nuts. He comes out and says it's WrestleMania season. He wants to announce his plans for Mania this year. Uh, he, he plays with the fans, basically saying, you know, the company hasn't been listening to them, but he himself has been listening. Uh, he says he knows the fans are passionate about the future, and he is too. The fans like break out another scene of chant. They're just loving this guy because he's on their side. But then he says he knows the right thing to do. Uh, you know, WrestleMania should go on with this year without him. And I'm just thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> why are you coming back if it should go and on without why, you? Why was he there? Exactly. I'm like, why are you even here if it should go on without you? But he's he's trying to play on that, like, the future stars need to have this show to themselves. I, being the old guy, don't need to be coming back and still in the spotlight. The most ironic promo in the world. So the fans start booing him or start booing that this notion that he shouldn't be at WrestleMania. He's, and then he, uh, he says, this is not goodbye, but it's bye for now. He says, uh, the WrestleMania spot should be earned, not demanded. Uh, he notes that tonight is a special night because uh, he doesn't know when he'll be backed. He starts talking about his friends and family, even kind of gets choked up. He thanks the fans and he starts to walk out. His music hits. He walks at the ramp. He's just all sad and, He's like, I, I want to be a part of WrestleMania, but you know what? I just, I just can't do it. You know, I, I gotta let these young guys do, you know, do all this. I can't take the spot from somebody who deserves it. He gets to the top of the ramp. He gives a final salute, and the lights go out. The lights come back on, and who should be standing behind him but the Fiend? The fans, just because this guy, they know he got screwed at big at Super Showdown. They pop big for the Fiend, but this geek points at the WrestleMania sign and the fans cheer. They break out in a yes chant. Cena tips his hat to him. The lights go out. 
and that's the end of SmackDown. So why this, why this sucks is because, first of all, Cena comes back, he's getting cheered, and he comes out and just gives this BS of how, guys, I came back to tease you because I'm not going to be at WrestleMania after all. Some, you know, the younger guys, the future of WWE, they're the real ones that deserve it. So you know what? In fact, I'm not going to be at WrestleMania this year. So he teases the fans in his hometown. They actually boo this, you know, notion that he's not going to be at Mania. Then the Fiend comes out, not caring one bit about Goldberg beating him the night before in like less than three minutes. He's just like Kofi 2.0, doesn't even care that he lost the title. He comes out, he points at the WrestleMania sign, like, an, you know, just like every other geek who's going to WrestleMania. And then Cena's like, oh, buddy, it's on. Now he's all in. He's like, okay, dude, we're going to go out of WrestleMania. So he's just stealing a spot from somebody, something he said he just wasn't going to do. The demon murder clown pointed at the WrestleMania sign. The demon murder clown. <laughs> Not Bray Wyatt. No, yeah. No, not Firefly Funhouse. I'm sitting here looking at the picture right now. The demon murder clown goes, WrestleMania, baby. And John Cena tips his hat and he's like, okay. Even though he just said, you're, I just, I'm on, okay, spoiler alert. Let's grade SmackDown. F. SmackDown gets an F. F. What do you say? F. Yeah. F. It was awful. There's nothing. To me, you actually kind of like the Daniel Bryan Gulag thing. I didn't really like it. It definitely wasn't the worst thing on the show. It was just filler. I mean, everything Daniel else. Bryan was Curtis Axel. What do you want? I mean, the <laughs> only redeeming factor was I thought was Usos Miz and Morrison because it was per, it was kind of entertaining, but the the finish was so stupid. I didn't care anymore. So no, this show had nothing good on it. I didn't care about anything on it. I mean, even the opening segment, which. They're plugging the big main event, Reigns versus Goldberg. You know, they got a you both suck chant, even though it was a little bit light. But Reigns still hasn't even won anything, so it doesn't make any sense yet. He's not even, I mean, he could go to Elimination, he's not going to, but he could go to the Elimination Chamber and lose, theoretically, and not even be involved. So, no, dude, you're not next yet. So, everything on the show sucked. I hated it. It was a pain to watch, especially, especially, because I actually didn't watch it on Friday. I watched it on Monday. This was coming off of this great AW pay per view, and this is what I had to watch. So, yes, this is horrible. F, 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 F. I mean, I almost turned it off. I really did. And I know we say that a lot, and we're like, we watch this show, so you guys don't have to. Ha, ha, ha. But it was just, it was exceptionally bad, guys. Exceptionally bad. And it was just disappointing. It was so disappointing. Yep. So let's just move on by it. And I will say, I could give so many future endeavors to this one show, but I'm saving it for something else. (laughs) So go ahead, Matthew. I think I know what it might be. So Raw opened up, and it was good for about 10 minutes. So Brock Lesnar comes out. Paul Heyman is ranting. I'm not going to go into it. He basically said Brock Lesnar is the best. I mean, what? What do you want? So what one thing that he did say, which was important, was the next time Brock Lesnar sees Drew McIntyre, he is going to make mincemeat out of him. He is going to destroy him. And then Drew McIntyre's music hits. 
So Drew McIntyre comes out, gets in Brock Lesnar's face. Brock Lesnar's like, no, 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 not in my house. And he's pretends like he's leaving the ring. Then he immediately charges at Drew McIntyre, who claymores his head off. Drew McIntyre gets up. His pop is friggin' gigantic. He walks to the back, and then he's gone. Paul Heyman's like, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Oh, Brock. Oh, Brock. And so Brock gets up. He's he's dazed. He's upset, right? He is pissed. He's walking up the ramp, and when he gets to the top, he turns around and gets claymored again. The crowd starts chanting one more time. Drew McIntyre gets in position. Brock gets up. Gets Claymore in the face. And then if you're paying attention, you can hear Brock say, Grab the belt! As Drew McIntyre grabs the belt, the crowd's going nuts. And as he lifts it over his head, the crowd goes wild. And they're already going nuts. And the decibels just raise as he slowly raises the belt above his head. This guy is on fire. And I know some people say, Drew McIntyre is boring. All right, what do you want? What do you want from the WWE? This is a stereotypical WWE guy that can actually wrestle. He can actually talk. He looks cool. He's funny. He connects to the fans. This is your future in WWE. This is the guy. So if you don't like Drew McIntyre, might as well turn it off because he's your future, period. And they're actually actually building. He's And that's what's so frustrating about this Lesnar, Goldberg, Undertaker thing. It's clear that they can actually build somebody. Because they're doing it with him. They're strapping the rocket to him. If he loses the Lesnar Mania, I, my brain might explode. But, they, hey, they're they're building him up. So they're actually taking him seriously. But they just choose to not do it with anybody else. And it just baffles me. This, I mean, this is great. This is a great opening segment to this turd sandwich that was Monday Night Raw. If Drew McIntyre loses to Brock Lesnar, we will be a Wednesday Night War podcast moving forward. <laughs> we will no longer watch Raw and SmackDown. We I will, will say Dynamite and NXT. So we we used to watch uh, AEW Dynamite. I've since kind of stopped watching it since I, I mean I've only got so much time in the week to watch wrestling, and I, I'm responsible for for re- reviewing SmackDown on this show. Mike has kind of taken up the AEW mantle, so I haven't watched it as much lately. I've been totally jealous of him. I've definitely been envious, especially. Building up to this pay-per-view, I definitely watched more of it. And I was like, oh, God, this is so much better than SmackDown. So much better than SmackDown, especially as of late. So, I, I yes, I'm jealous of Micah for sure. Dynamite has been on fire the last few weeks. Man. Yes. You've been missing out. Missing it's the crap. better show, hands down. Yeah, not even close. Um, so the Street Pof- Profits ref- wrestle. Let me try that again. The Street Profits wrestle Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. That's right. I'm saying his name. In a now-or-never match. It was announced as a now or never match because if the Street Profits do not win, they will never receive another tag title match. Now, please explain to me why. Because they just lost at Super Showdown. So, two questions. One, why are they getting another shot? And then, two, why is it now or never? It makes no sense, does it? Am I wrong? No, I mean, it's not like they're like a storied tag team. Like, they just got to Raw. Like... It's, a, it's already now or never. Yeah. By the way, get, I don't get it. The match is just fine. All you need to know is Authors of Pain were on the outside and they were distracting the referee because the referee was kicking them out. So as they were arguing with the referee, Kevin Owens came in, stunned Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins got pinned by Montez Ford. One, two, three. Um, 
I don't want to argue that this is poorly booked. It's not great, okay? But after the crap that was SmackDown, like, I feel like I can just take anything right now. But my gosh, first of all, it was just so poorly planned. They just lost to them, you know, the Thursday before. And then now, they just it's now or never, guys. You'll never get another shot again. Give me a freaking break. Just give me a break. Whatever. The Street Profits are cool. I like them. Congratulations. Whatever. We're still going to get another match because they're getting they're having a rematch at Elimination Chamber. And just, I just, uh, why? Just why? I'm sure they'll lose it then, too. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ricochet. Oh Ricochet's up next. And actually, I do want to point out, Charlie did talk to Rollins and Murphy backstage. Rollins says, we're going to wrestle. I, you know, I'm the Monday Night Messiah. I will make demands. I don't make requests. We're going to have a rematch at Elimination Chamber. And Kevin Owens can pick the time and the place. And the stipulation, whatever. Um, Ricochet versus Riddick Moss for the 24-7 title. So now the 24-7 title, even though it has 24-7 rules, actually has matches. Uh, Mojo Rawley did this. It was really stupid. What would have been cool is if they showed him in backstage segments waiting for people to come attack him, and he murdered them. That would have been cool. But no, WWE dropped the ball again, and they're giving us this crap. So Ricochet, the Thursday before, three days before, four days, excuse me, four days before, Lost to Brock Lesnar and admittedly a squash, but they, they built him up so he could wrestle Brock Lesnar. Lost in a world title match, but now he lost to Riddick Moss in a 24-7 title match. So they think so little of Ricochet that they will not even let him beat Riddick Moss. And let's be clear, Ricochet who is one of the most talented wrestlers on the planet, is just a guy. And let me tell you why he's just a guy. He's not just a guy because he's an untalented bum. He's just a guy because the WWE have no idea what to do with talented professional wrestlers. He is absolutely nuts. If you've ever seen Ricochet's history... In the Indies, and in Lucha Underground, in NXT, you know how talented this guy is. But he loses to Riddick Moss. So, I think it's no surprise to anybody that this week's future endeavor is Ricochet. <laughs> Let me just go. I knew it as soon as you mentioned it. Oh, of course. I mean, it can't be anybody else. It could have been a bunch of people on SmackDown, but my God. Like, this is as bad as it gets. And, it, and unfortunately, it's not even Ricochet's fault. It's just because Vince, if if you don't hit all, like if you're not Stone Cold Steve Austin within two weeks or a month, you're dead. It's the same. We just last week talked about how Cedric Alexander was on main event, main events, main event, going up against Riddick Moss, the same guy in a 24-7 title match, and he lost. Who was the guy? I mean, guy having matched with AJ who thought he was getting over. And this is where he is now. So now Ricochet, just wait for him to be on main event against somebody else and losing to them. But not only that, he failed to win the 24-7 title. Everyone and their mothers won the 24-7 title. Let me go down this list of people who have won this title because <laughs> I have it on hand for this very reason. Uh, First champion, Titus O'Neil. Jinder Mahal has also won this title. I mean, former WWE champion, but... Drake Maverick has won this title. Heath Slater has won this title. Speak of the devil, Cedric Alexander has won this title. 
EC3 has won this title. Kelly Kelly has won this title. Mike Canellis has won this title. <laughs> A pregnant Maria Canellis has won this title. Rob Stone from Fox College Football has won this title. Mayor Glenn Jacobs, not Kane, has won this title. Carmella, Marshmallow, both the Singh brothers, Kyle Bush, Santa Claus has won this title. And Ricochet cannot win this title. Ricochet, best of luck in your future endeavors, dude. You're going to need it. So can you imagine a one-on-one match? Ricochet debuts on Dynamite next week and challenges Phoenix. Because that happened in Lucha Underground, and oh my gosh. So yeah, let's have it. Now, I think that he signed a five-year contract when he was brought to the main roster. So he's probably got like four years left. So he ain't going anywhere. It has been announced on all the wrestling forums, all the wrestling news sites today that Vince McMahon is sick and tired of Ricochet and has lost all faith in him. And to be fair, he's not the best on the mic, okay? So the, so again, here's another thing. I, I got I to gotta say this. So that's okay. true. Part of the reason, I believe, is because they gave him this st- stupid real-life superhero gimmick. And who in the world could pull that off, especially yeah, with these promos? He's not the greatest on the mic. That's true. But you know what? He's really good in the ring. And someone, all the great bookers throughout wrestling history, what have they been able to do? They take their talent. They hide their weaknesses. They emphasize their strengths. And what does WWE and Vincent Kennedy McMahon do? They highlight his weakness and hide his strengths. Yeah. Of course, he's not going to get over you put him on the mic, which is his clear weakness, and you limit him and make him lose in the ring, which is his clear strength. So it's not his fault. It's just it's just not his fault. Like, I can't I, – I mean, the guy, you can't force him to be good on the mic. Some people just aren't that great at it. But you know what? It doesn't necessarily matter because you can get – I mean, Riho in AEW can, you know, has trouble speaking English. But you know what? She got over. Darby Allen, he's he's a good worker on AEW. He's fairly new, but you know he's been pretty awesome. I can guarantee you he's probably not the best on the mic either. But he's gotten over on their on their program. There, there's tons of people who have gotten over who aren't good on the mic. It's possible. But they just chose not to do it with Ricochet. He had to be this superhero guy that Vince wanted him, that he pictured him to be. And it wasn't true. It wasn't him. So now he's done with him. He's done playing with his toy and he's throwing him back in the toy chest or actually more appropriate. He's throwing him in the trash. So you're 100% correct. And I just, it just breaks my heart, man. He's literally, and I'm, he's I'm not one of the best wrestlers yeah. in the world. I'm not using hyperbole here, man. If you are so good in the ring that you're not great on the mic, how about make him a strong mid-carder, right? Have him go up. Let's say when he wrestled AJ Styles, have AJ do the talking. He can say a few words. Or or how about this? How about we get him a manager? How about we get Ricochet a manager? So someone can speak for him because that's what managers are for. I I just don't get it. Or just let him go in the ring and do cool flips. 
That's yeah. all it takes. But no, they won't do it. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Black versus AJ Styles is next. I was really excited for this. What I got was hot garbage. Um, to make a long story short, I am not going over this, what, 25-minute segment. AJ Styles was cutting a promo on The Undertaker. His promo was great because he's AJ Styles. He is my literal hero. The dude's amazing. He tells Alistair Black that Alistair has to go through uh, Carl Anderson before he can wrestle AJ. That was in the contract that he signed. Uh, I didn't see him sign a contract, but apparently they do it backstage, which makes me wonder why sometimes they do it in the ring, but whatever. Alistair Black to notarize, Matt. <laughs> So, uh, Alistair Black beats Carl Anderson in a competitive match. And then AJ says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, you also have to beat Luke Gallows. Uh, Alistair Black beats Luke Gallows by disqualification because Luke Gallows has got him in the corner and he won't let up. So AJ's like, all right, all right, I'm ready for him. I'm ready for him. So AJ beats Alistair Black in just a few minutes. And as he pins him, he does the Undertaker thing where he crosses his arms and rolls his eyes back. Uh, AJ Styles wins. Alistair Black did not look weak, so if the dude's going to get pinned, this was a good way to do it. Uh, either way, it was dumb. I just... They're going to have another match at Elimination Chamber. I just didn't really like the way this was done. And again, the matches were fine. Alistair Black is great. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are great. I just... I don't know, man. It just it gave Alistair Black his first loss, and I didn't really like... I don't really like that. If he's going to lose, I want him to lose in a better way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, this was kind of what I was afraid of because I think they're just using him to build up AJ for Undertaker. But you know what the big problem is? Undertaker already faced AJ because he surprised him at Super Showdown and beat him with one choke slam. Didn't even take his coat off. Or and not. now we're expecting this to be a main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. I don't care. I don't, I wouldn't, and you would think I wouldn't say that about AJ Undertaker match, but I really don't care. Okay. I don't, I don't care. They've already, they killed AJ with a choke slam. It's, I just, I just don't care. Okay. Uh, Ruby Riot versus Liv Morgan is next. Sarah Logan is a special referee. I don't care about this, so I'm skipping it. Liv Morgan won by a fast count because Ruby Riot accidentally hit Sarah Logan. Sarah um, Logan also just a body again this week. Yeah, exactly. She's literally just been a person throughout this whole thing. So at the beginning of the show, they did announce Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. The day before, they announced Asuka versus Shayna Baszler, and they changed their mind. And I get, okay, Asuka was injured, but did you not know that day before? Did you really not know? Because I don't believe you if that's the case. Yeah, apparently these inept doctors didn't check. They just they just let them book this match, and then they, they get out there, and she's like, oh, I'm hurt, by the way. So let's get to the part of the show that really matters. We're almost an hour in, and this is the moment we've all been waiting for. No Way Jose is backstage. He's dancing with those conga guys, right, and gals. The Rosebuds. The Rosebuds. That's <laughs> what they are. Yeah, basically. Eric Rowan is backstage with his cage, and No Way Jose says, Hey, man, no, I'm not looking for trouble, but... May I please ask what's in the cage? And Rowan says, dude, all I've been doing is just waiting for someone to ask me respectfully, which Mojo Raleigh did about two and a half months ago. Remember when Mojo Raleigh saw it and then ran away in terror? Yep. So Rowan says, fine, I'm going to show you and all your friends what's in the cage. 
the camera kind of zooms in. So I'm thinking what they're going to do is Eric Rowan is going to flip back that, that knapsack that's over the cage. He's going to show them. They're going to freak out and run away. He's going to snicker, and this is going to go on. That's not what happened. He pulls out just a spider, just a big old spider. It looks like a toy. It is, like it is a toy. It is a toy. It's, it's a making toy. its legs move. And everyone just runs away, screaming at the top of their lungs. So I do want to point out, okay, most spiders can't bite you with their mouths aren't big enough to make that ridiculous blood that Rowan subjected a couple of his opponents to. Uh, most people don't react to giant spiders by turning around and sprinting in terror. Mojo Raleigh called Rowan sick because he carried a spider in a cage. I do want to point out that while I personally do not like spiders, it is not uncommon for people to keep them in pe- as pets. This was one of the single worst reveals in WWE history, and it proves that for four months... They had absolutely no idea what they were going to do. And they're just like, I don't know. Screw it. Just just do a spider. And that's what happened. Yeah. It's it's just a spider. It's lame. Who cares? I think in about a week or two, we're going to do a round table with the worst reveals in WWE history. That actually should, that should be a lot of fun. It'd be good. Um, yeah, so this, this segment was dumb. Whatever. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. Let me tell you all you need to know about this match. In a match with Shayna Baszler, who's okay. Some people say very good. She's not my thing, but she's at least okay, right? And Kyrie Sane, who is incredibly talented, got a this is boring chant from the crowd. That's all you need to know. Shayna Baszler won. That's and she attacked Kyrie after the match. This was heel versus heel. I don't know what they were talking, what they were doing with this match. Again, poorly booked. Not as bad as SmackDown, but it was dumb. Oscar's, you know, trying. She's cheering on Kyrie. There's nothing she can do. But Oscar and Kyrie are like two of the biggest heels in the company. Are we supposed to feel bad that Shane is beating them up? Uh, I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Becky Lynch came Who out about halfway through the match. And she's on she's on commentary. She puts on she's wearing this ridiculous jacket with these ridiculous glasses. I both loved and hated it. And she also puts uh, on It's King's like in crown. the middle of the match. Like yeah. just wait until the end of the match. Right. But I did like that she put on King's Crown. That was funny. I guess. <laughs> so the very beginning of Raw was really good. And then everything else we've mentioned has been bad or very bad. And then you get to Rey Mysterio and and Humberto Carrillo versus Angel Garza and Andrade. And these four men tore the house down. Everything they did in the ring was fluid. It was absolutely incredible. It was more than just one-on-one. Sometimes there were three or four guys in the ring, and they were doing just such creative stuff. It really, to me, it harkened back to the old WCW Cruiserweight days when most of them were Latino because that's just how WCW Cruiserweights were. Lucha Libre style was most prominent. And that's what this was. Mysterio and Carrillo won. That's fine. Andrade just came back. But but whatever. I'm not going to be nitpicky because this match was great. And I hope to the good Lord 
this is moving towards a fatal four-way at WrestleMania that gets 20, 25 minutes because that would literally steal the show. I mean, oh my gosh, it could be great. So please give us that. I, I mean, we can only hope. Uh, I have a feeling it might steal the pre-show. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, we've got Goldberg, Lesnar, and Undertaker, and Cena on one card. I mean, it is. it could be for the U.S. title, so that might push it to the main card. But who knows? We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, these guys are incredible. I mean, it's no surprise. They've really been killing it, even with Andrade gone. Like, Umberto and Angel Garza have been phenomenal. Rey Mysterio has been great since he's been back. It's no surprise. I mean, these guys were the shining light on the show. Uh, yeah, so they were great. It's fantastic. So on this turd sandwich, you had, it's, it's like this show was a turd sandwich, but with like really fancy buns, right? It's like this baker, <laughs> this baker comes on. He's like, this is going to be the greatest sandwich in all of the sandwiches. And he tells this kid, Hey kid, I want you to get me something just delicious, just delicious to go on this wonderful French bread that I'm baking. And he pulls out little Vinny, a master, a master class in baking. I mean, just this wonderful piece of bread. He cuts it in half and he says, kid, whatever you have, make it delicious, put it on this bread. And the kid thinks I'm going to prank him and put poo on the bread. And that's what he did. That's what the show was. Yeah, that's what it was. So great. A sound effects here on Russell live radio. Good stuff. So the last segment on WWE Raw was also terrific. Beth Phoenix comes out and she says, I wanted to give you all a medical update on my husband, Edge. And then Randy Orton's music immediately hits. He comes out and he tries to apologize to Beth. And he says, Beth, I am so, so sorry. I love Edge like a brother. He means so much to me. And I owe you an explanation. I've been trying to give an explanation for weeks. So I'm going to give it to your face right now. Beth, the reason I did to Edge what I did was because I love him. Because I love you, Beth, and because I love your two daughters. And he named them. I can't remember their names. Ruby and something or another. And he says, I love your children, and I want your husband to continue to be a good husband. I want him to be a good father. Edge thinks that he can come back and he can work full time and that he's, his body is able to do that. But Beth, his body is not able to do what he used to do. The guy broke his neck. So I did what I think is best for him. And there's nothing better than a heel that believes in what they're saying. They believe they're justified. This was incredible, but it's not over. Randy Orton says, Beth, I think we all know whose fault this really is. It's yours. And of course, she was going from heartbroken, and though she starts to look very angry. And she says, Beth, you're the person that enabled Edge. You're the person that told him you believed in him. You are the person that pushed him back into this ring. And let me tell you, Beth, he was going to get hurt 
And it would have been because of you. He would no longer be able to be there for you. He would no longer be able to be there for your children. I did what was best for my brother. And of course, she's very angry. And so he's staring at her. And she kicks him in the stomach. But what else does he do but RKO's her? He leaves the ring. Referees come out. Natalia, of course, comes out. A lot of faces come out, which I don't know why they didn't before. Uh, Ryder and Hawkins came out. Of course, they were in, you know, they were Blackies of Edge at one point. Rey Mysterio comes out. A couple other people come out. And uh, instead of ending the show, Jerry Lawler, Tom Phillips, and Byron Saxon cut a little short promo. They did a wonderful job. Byron Saxon is now the biggest baby face in the company because he called Randy Orton an SOB and he cut, he said that with passion and with fire in his voice. Byron Saxton, who two years ago I wanted to get fired because I thought the dude was miserable, he's gotten a lot better. And I'll tell you, this segment was on a turd sandwich of a WWE Raw was one of the best segments I have seen on a WWE show. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. I got to give Mr. Randy Orton the brass ring this week. Cause it was awesome. He played, he's been the dashly heel. Obviously the stuff with Matt Hardy has kind of diluted this a little bit, but they pulled me back in with this Beth Phoenix segment. I thought she did a really good job, but man, Randy Orton was so good in this. He was just awesome. I mean, he's, he's just been so good. Even when he's had like Matt Hardy do with, he still played it off really well. And this match is going to be what it is because of Randy Orton. Because obviously Edge hasn't been there. And Edge is great. And he'll come back and he'll be really good in it as well. But man, Orton is the one that's got to sell this thing. And he's doing a phenomenal job of it. So like you said, and like we both said, this has been a turd sandwich this week. SmackDown was just straight poop. But this was a turd sandwich. <laughs> the cherry on top of this turd sandwich, because cherries go on sandwiches for some reason. It was Randy Orton. He gets the brass ring this week because he was great. Randy Orton. Okay, I know a lot of people are going to sacrifice me for saying this. Seth Rollins. Hashtag Seth Rollins. I think Randy Orton is making a strong case that he is one of the all-time greats. And a lot of people don't like his in-ring work. And it's fair to say that he'll never go down as an AJ Styles or a Daniel Bryan and he'll, he'll never even go down as like a Matt Hardy in the ring. Randy Orton is a slow, methodical wrestler in a time where that is no longer accepted. But when he is on fire, when he's passionate about something, and when he really wants to get the crowd involved, look at, look at his recent history. This is one of the best uh, storylines that he's ever been involved with. Look what he had with Kofi. And how on fire was he with Kofi? And whether you like the match or not, that feud was incredible. And nothing against Kofi. I love Kofi, guys. But that was by far the most over feud that he had. And arguably the only real good one, I'm sorry to say. So Randy Orton should go down as one of the greatest of all time and definitely in the top five of this generation. I mean, 100%. Oh, yeah. and he what is him, Cena, Batista, Lesnar, like in the in this ruthless aggression era that was a whole lot of hot garbage. Like it's those guys, right? That in the in the zeros or whatever the knots, whatever you want to say, 
those are the guys that came out of that time in in a in a era of WWE that was a whole lot of hot garbage. Those are your four shining lights. Yeah, I mean it's it, he's been I mean he's been pretty consistent throughout his whole career. Uh, I I agree with you. Like he's obviously a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think his in, in ring work has been. I mean, his in-ring work technically is great. He's just not the most exciting. You know, he doesn't jump from pillar to post type guy. But he goes in there and he, like, as a worker, he's one of the best in the company. Like, really the best in the industry. Yeah. I mean, real wrestlers look at Randy Orton and say, man, he's great. The fans might not think the same, but he he is. He's, he's just phenomenal at everything he's, that he does. Like, he's just really good at it. Um. So, but yeah, he, he's, but he's stepped up his character level in this feud and especially in this segment, it was just fantastic. I thought it was great. He's so good. Um, I'm going to grade raw and I hate to do this because the opener was so good. The main event was so good. And the final segment was so good. But when the rest of your three hour show is hot garbage, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. C minus, and I think that's even stretching it a little bit. And I think the only reason I'm giving this a C minus instead of a D or a D plus is because those three segments were all real good, not just okay, real good. And also AJ on the mic was really good too. Yeah, I gotta give this a D. <laughs> it just, I agree. I, I mean, I'm totally on the same page with you that the the opening was really good. Uh, I mean, they got McIntyre over. The ending was really good. And obviously the Mysterio, Umberto, Angel Garza, and Andrade match was fantastic. But this is a three-hour show. And three segments on this three-hour show filled with just total crap. Just wasn't enough. It saved it from an F, honestly, if anything, that these segments did. So I will give it a D, but they've got to do better than this. It can't be this way every week if you want people to keep watching it. So I got to give it a D and I don't, I'm not going to hate on you for that because I understand the thought process. I really do. I mean, a toy spider in a cage. Come on guys. Just ugh. ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 87 of Wrestle Life Radio. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. And you can listen to us anywhere you hear podcasts that include Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Radio Public, Anchor, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends. We really appreciate everything you guys do for us. You will see a new episode of uh, Wrestle Life Radio this weekend, this Saturday, for our Elimination Chamber preview. Oh, and uh, I'm um, not really excited about I'm it. Not I'm not going to do it at all. <laughs> but the show will be fun. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Please tell your friends and uh, let us know what you think. Have a wonderful day. Feel the burn.